Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call forth these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Front Lines live social media broadcast equipping, encouraging, and empowering you to arise as the hero, the warrior, and the champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you have a key role to play for the kingdom in the earth. So thank you for joining me again this week and in this new year so that we can continue to pour into you. 2020, what a year it was, full of challenges, but also full of opportunities to extract a whole lot of kingdom truth from a very challenging year. So what we're gonna do this week is we're gonna talk about nine things, nine kingdom truth, nine kingdom revelations that came forth from 2020, nine things we learned from the year that was 2020. But just before we get into that, I have a couple quick announcements for you. Don't forget to mark your calendars. February 18th through the 20th, our Man Camp East Coast 2021 event is kicking off in Rose Hill, North Carolina. We had a, a, a FaceTime meeting with Ben Hughes and Brad Carter and I yesterday, and we were planning some of the events going on during Man Camp East Coast 2021. But really what the FaceTime meeting boiled down to is the three of us talking about how excited we were to be able to get together with a great group of guys and enjoy all the fellowship, all the friendship, all the brotherhood. Of course, there'll be mentoring times. There's going to be um, teaching times, worship times. We've got some great activities planned for you guys. But hey, if like me, you're looking after everything that went on in 2020. You're looking for a great chance to get together with a great group of guys and enjoy the great outdoors. Join us for Man Camp East Coast 2021 in Rose Hill, North Carolina this February 18th through the 20th. You can go to menonthefrontlines.com and click the events link and it'll give you all the information. Or if you want to keep it simple, you can email me, robert at menonthefrontlines.com, and I'll send you the link or get you the information directly. But I'd love to see you there with me and Brad Carter and Ben Hughes. We are expecting an explosive time in the spirit. All sorts of fun, but also all sorts of anointing, all sorts of revelation, all sorts of impartation. Speaking of events, we are also planning a one-day Heroes Arise event here in Arizona, in the Phoenix area, in March. We're looking at Saturday, March 13th. Because we had to cancel our West Coast Man Camp event uh, last year because of the CCP coronavirus, and we weren't able to do as many events as we usually do for you guys. We have had guys on the West Coast saying, hey, what about us, what about us? Well, first of all, hey, it's, one, it's only a plane trip away to get to the East Coast for the full three-day event of Man Camp East Coast 2021 in February. But if you can't make it, mark your calendar for Saturday, March 13th, because we will be doing a one-day Heroes Arise event here in the greater Phoenix area. We're bringing in different prophets and ministers so that we can minister to you guys. We're gonna have a, 
a dinner the night before. It's an optional dinner, but a fellowship dinner the night before. That morning we'll have breakfast together and then we'll have uh, a morning session. And then we're gonna have an afternoon session for anybody who wants to participate where we're gonna go to a, uh, a course for some sporting shooting and sporting clays and target shooting. And then we'll come back here, have a fellowship meal together and also have an evening session of worship and prophetic ministry. So again, if you're out on the West Coast or you're in the, the Southwest area and you want to get, get together with a great group of, group of guys, uh, Saturday, March 13th, we'll have our Heroes Arise One Day event for men. And then my last announcement for you is a family announcement. Today, January 5th, 2021, is my niece Aria's sixth birthday. So if you get a chance, I'd greatly appreciate, pray a blessing over her. She's an amazing kid. She's one of my favorite little people in the world. And she's a bright and creative and smart and fun, really imaginative kid. And uh, if you get a chance, pray a blessing over her as a birthday present to her on this, her sixth birthday. All right, let's get into this week's topic. Nine things we learned from 2020. We've got a lot to cover, nine different things from 2020, so I wanna jump right in. But I, what I really want you to get from this is when we are in the kingdom, no matter what's going on in the earth, there are good things that can come forth. There are lessons that can come forth. Remember that Jesus is not only a, a, uh, our savior, not only our Messiah, but he also was our disciple, our rabbi. He continues to be, and his Holy Spirit continues to do that, I should say. When he was in the earth, he not only invited the um, original disciples to, to believe in him, he invited them to walk with him so that they can learn that the kingdom can bring forth good things no matter what in any season. And 2020 is a great example of this, that as we continue to walk with the Holy Spirit and allow him to bring us into alignment with God's will, word, and ways, that there were good things that could come forth, including wisdom. So here are nine things that we learned from 2020. Number one, prophecy is not always simple. You know, let's just look at the prophecies around the election. So many words about uh, President Trump coming into another four-year administration, winning the election. Now, did, did those prophets miss it? Did the word simply take longer to come forth than we expected? Is it coming about in unexpected ways? Maybe it's not done, maybe it's not over. You know, tomorrow's a big day in our nation, and then of course, uh, the 20th is another big day. But the election technically is not over. Those words may or may not have come to pass. But the other thing that I think came up through all of this is not only that prophecy is always simple, but the act of prophecy can reveal the heart. God says he'll offend the heart to test the, or he'll offend the mind to test the heart. And one thing I noticed um, that was one of the blessings of prophecy not always being simple is it allowed us to see a lot of what was in our hearts. And one of the things I saw come forth was it seemed like more people were interested in throwing stones at the prophets than they were in contending for the prophetic promises. Now, hear me, there were some people that announced prophetically, this is a done deal, it's gonna happen, and it might. Um, I don't think it's time to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't think it's time to doubt the word of God yet, if that was his word. And I certainly don't think it's time to throw stones at the prophets. One of the things I heard from within the church often was things like, uh, this proves that the prophets are liars. Even if the prophets missed it, it doesn't prove that the prophets are liars. It proved that, that like all of us, they know in part. Now, if they did miss it, if we get to the end of this challenging time with this election and we get through all that has happened, 
and President Trump does not come into office for another four years, then I think some of the prophets that did prophesy that need to address that. I think that'd be a healthy thing to do. I think it'd be a good thing to do. Um, but I also want to address that along the way to that, even if they did miss it, there's a difference between being a false prophet and a liar and simply missing it. Uh, uh, a liar is intentionally deceiving. A false prophet is intentionally leading people away from God, whereas a prophet who missed it is simply some, someone who hears in part, and I think it'd be very healthy for the prophets that did that to address that and to talk about that so we can all learn and grow together. But um, prophecy is not always simple, and I think the lesson we take away from this is that no matter what, we need to value and look to the promiser even more than his promises. If we're looking to God and we're looking to his word, that doesn't mean that we, that we throw the prophets out with the, 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 a mistake that might have been made but hasn't yet. I'm still believing that there's a way for President Trump to come into office. I know all of you might not agree with me, but I don't think it's over. And I don't think um, the word of God has been proven false if those prophets were correct. It was just coming about in a very different way than we expected. That can happen a lot. Think Think about when Jesus said about Lazarus, this shall not end in death. Probably everybody who heard that thought, oh, that means Lazarus isn't going to die. And he's going to recover immediately from the sickness. Well, Jesus didn't say Lazarus wouldn't die. He said that it would not end in death, and it didn't. It's something happened that proclaimed the glory of the Lord. And he said, did I not tell you, if you only believed, you will see the glory of the Lord come forth. Now, that was bringing forth the prophetic word of Jesus. This will not end in death. And Jesus never missed it. Jesus doesn't, didn't hear in part. Jesus was fully man and fully God, so he absolutely knew and heard and spoke the truth. We, being human beings who are even those that hear from God, who are prophets and prophetic voices, we do hear in part. And if we miss it, we need to take responsibility for that. But we also need to understand that sometimes prophecy comes about in ways that we are not expecting. And that might be the case here. If you've been a stone thrower, if you've been one who's wanted to kill the prophets, if you've taken more joy in calling the prophets liars or calling the prophets false prophets and deceivers of the people because of this process, then allow God to minister to your heart. Because even if they did miss it, I don't believe that they were intentionally false prophets or intentionally liars. And I do believe that ultimately we have to understand that it's really important that what we trust in is the promiser even more than the promise. Unless the promise is in the written word of God, we can be encouraged by the prophets, we can be edified by the prophets, we can be exhorted by the prophets. That's their role. The prophets are here to release vision. But oftentimes when the prophets release vision, it's for us to grab hold of and for us to contend for that promise. If you were more interested in throwing stones at the, prom at the promises the prophets declared than you were in contending for those promises that would achieve the plans and purposes of God in the earth, then I think we need to look at that. Each of us need to. Each of us needs to be looking right now how we're responding to a lot of what's going on in the earth, including these prophetic words that came forth. If you're a prophet who prophesied these things, Things, and ultimately, they do not come to pass, although I still think they can. I'm still believing that they will, personally. Um, but I think we need to address that. And I think it's really healthy for us to have conversations about that and that we do it with love, honor, and respect so we can all grow together. All right, number two thing that we learned from 2020, God is not a man as to lie. Numbers 23, 19 says this. There has been a lot of seemingly 
challenging things put forth, things that were proclaimed true one day but not seem not to be the next day. I mean, let's just look at some of the things around the coronavirus that we've dealt with. We were told that masks uh, would work. We were told that masks wouldn't work. Some scientists are proclaiming and declaring that um, even the T-shirt and bandana masks are effective, whereas many other scientific reports are saying that no mask other than the N95 masks have the, the, the mesh, as it were, to deal with the particles as small as the virus, that just because a mask keeps your spit from going out when you speak, it may not keep the particles of the virus from going forth. Now, I'm not here to debate science. I'm here to say that when it came to that, when it came to uh, hydroxychloroquine, we were told that, that it wouldn't work, that it was dangerous, and yet other scientific reports show that hydroxychloroquine has been a very effective and safe and affordable medicine for 50, 60 years in nations all over the earth. So what is the truth? What, how do we know? What can we rely on? God. God and his word are the truth. God is not a man as to lie. God is the one that we can rely on. God is the one that we can turn to. You know, look at some of the statistics we've gotten about the coronavirus. There's been all sorts of controversy about how many of the death statistics were really attributable to coronavirus. And there's been scandals and even, and yes, and conspiracies and, and theories and all this stuff. We don't know what to believe. Is it truth that um, anybody who died who had the coronavirus, even if they died of a motorcycle accident, was we we're told was a coronavirus death. I'm not here to debate any of that. I'm here to point out that one of the things we learned is the systems of man will fail us, that man will disappoint us, and that we must look to God for truth. Think about Pilate. Him who is truth, Jesus Christ stands before him and Pilate says to him, Pilate says to Jesus Christ, what is truth? Why? Because he was used to whoever was in charge of the Roman Empire would tell them what truth was for that day. It's become positively Orwellian out there. And what I mean by that is from George Orwell's book, 1984, where the government would one day declare one thing and then the next day declare something else and say it's always been this way, it will always be this way. We are seeing this so clearly in our nation right now. Right now we we don't know what to believe we can believe God God is truth God is not a man as to lie one of the things I uh, was have been addressing is this idea that's come into culture of my truth well that's my truth you may not agree with it but that's my truth one of the things we have to realize in the church right now is there's no such thing as my truth there's your perspective, there's your opinion, there's your thoughts, there's your experience. But they are not truth unless they line up with the truth of God's word. God's word is our truth, not necessarily us saying, and we don't get to pick and choose. The truth of God is not a salad bar. We don't get to say, well, I like this scripture and I think it applies to today, but I don't like this scripture because I don't think it applies to today. I don't think Ever before has it been more important that we get anchored in and aligned with the truth of God's word because he is the one person that we can count on who is not lying. God is not a man as to lie. I think one of the reasons God has allowed so much exposure of these differing opinions coming out always being presented as truth is so we would clearly see this. But he's not allowing us to see these things so that we give place to bitterness or anger or frustration or so we throw up our hands and say, forget it. I think it's so we realize 
that there is truth in this world. It is God and it is God's word. So our lesson that we learned from 2020 is that God's word is the only truth that we can rely on, the only truth that can be counted on. And never before has it been more important for us to remember that to align with it and to live from it and to embrace it in an uncompromised way. All right, thing number three that I feel like Dr. Seuss, thing one, thing two, that, let's put it this way, the third thing that we learned from 2020, sometimes we have to clearly see the enemy before we clearly see the victory. Oh my goodness, was 2020 an example of this? You know, I know for me, my prophetic word for 2020 at the end of 2019 that I was proclaiming is that 2020 would be a year to represent or to quite literally represent God like never before, that it would be a year would be important that we align with him as dominion stewards in the earth, that we take care of things in the earth, that we realize the things happening in our nations, in our governments, in our media, in our schools, that they're happening on our watch, not God's watch. That doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean he's, he doesn't care. It means that he is sovereign and his sovereign plan has always been for those who are in relationship with him to operate in his deputized authority by the power of his Holy Spirit to deal with things in the earth. But we also got a lot of words before 2020 and in the beginning of 2020 about how 2020 would be a year of 2020 vision, clear vision. I think one of the things that took us by surprise but we came to see was actually part of God's plan is what we clearly saw in 2020 was the enemy. We clearly saw so much of what the enemy is doing, even here in the United States, of America to turn this nation away from the will and ways of God, to even more firmly entrench wickedness, unrighteousness, and sin in our nation, in our culture, through our media, through policies that were being put forth. I think God blessed us in 2020 to realize that we need to clearly see the enemy before we clearly see the victory. I had been teaching and proclaiming and declaring that the church was coming into an Exodus 14 moment. We're in that moment now. What happened in Exodus 14? God allowed his people to clearly see the enemy coming against them. Why? Not so they'd be overwhelmed, not so they'd be overcome, not so that they would murmur and complain or turn on one another. So we not need to watch over our hearts and make sure we're not doing that, or if we have, repent of it and stop doing that. But he allowed the enemy to be clearly seen so that someone would co-labor with him to see the enemy completely, utterly, and totally destroyed. Now, as always, I want to remind you that when it comes to these kind of kingdom opportunities and kingdom assignments, we have to remember that we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And that's what the Lord is allowing us to see. He's allowing us to see wickedness and unrighteousness. He's allowing us to see corruption. He's allowing us to see tyranny. He's allowing us to see treachery and scheming and scamming of the enemy. He's allowing us to see the stronghold that, that uh, powers of darkness like Molech and Moab and Baal and Ahab and Jezebel and, and Leviathan and Babylon have got in our nations, in our schools, in our governments, we, so we can clearly see them, so we can target them in prayer. We can target them with decree and with worship, and we can see them torn down. One of the things that we learned in 2020 
is we often have to see, clearly see the enemy before we clearly see the victory. And the lesson we take away from that is realizing we are in an Exodus 14 moment. It's very important that we respond like Moses, not like the rest of Israel. That we don't, like Israel did, murmur, complain, give place to self-pity, attacking one another, um, a doubting God, complaining to God. But like Moses, we respond by being willing to stand with God and even allowing God to bring some correction. Moses at first said, hey, fear not. You won't have to lift a finger. God will fight your battles for you. And God brought some gentle correction. He, he, let, he let his people know. He let Moses know, you're mostly right, son. I'm with you. I'm here for you. I will fight this battle with you. But you do need to lift a finger. I am looking for co-laborers. I am looking for dominion stewards in the earth. I am looking for people who will work with me, as my plan has been since day six, to see the enemy complete utterly and totally defeated. Not because God's not sovereign, but because he is sovereign. And as I've said many times, and I'll keep saying it, his sovereign plan since day six has been to have a people in the earth willing to co-labor with him as his dominion stewards. And we get to do what we've been crying out for. Oh God, we want more of you, more of your power. We want to see you more. We want to see you move more. We want to see revival. We want to see reformation. Bring it, God. Bring it, God. Bring it, God. Well, he brought it through the cross and he's bringing into our awareness that we have a role to play in that as part of his sovereign plan, to stand with him, to listen to him, to get his blueprints, to get his strategies, to get his tactics, to send forth his word, to co-labor with him, to see the enemy destroyed. So we need to be like Moses and realize we're being presented with an incredible historic opportunity. And if we check in with God, as opposed to checking out by murmuring, complaining, feeling sorry for ourselves, attacking one another, criticizing um, those gods, that God is working with that we, we may not understand, but we check in with God and we partner with him in this hour. We have an incredibly historic opportunity to see what happened at the end of Exodus 14 happen in our lives and our nations and in this world to see the enemy, the powers and principalities that are corrupting, that are, that are corrupting our nations, corrupting um, our future generations, that are, that are bringing people away from God, that we have an opportunity to see those powers and principalities completely, utterly, and totally destroyed and cast down. Okay, fourth thing that we learned from 2020, every season we walk with God can be fruitful. I know there were a lot of challenges in 2020. I know there were a lot of health challenges, a lot of economic challenges, a lot of political challenges. I know that many suffered in a great way. Yet I wanna share something with you. One of the greatest blessings in my life is I get to be a part of a community of believing believers. Robert Hodgkin Ministries and Men on the Front Lines is part of the Patricia King Ministries family. And my wife and I, we are also a part of the Shiloh Fellowship family. So I have a lot of believing believers in my life. And for every one of the viewers, I have been praying that you too will have a community of believing believers to rally, to come alongside of you, for you to come alongside of in this season. Because it's such a blessing to have people believing with you, believing for you. If you want that, I highly encourage you to go to shilohfellowship.com and look into joining our Shiloh web church where you'll be a part of an online group, an online community of believing believers that regularly connect, not only when we have our Shiloh services on Sunday when I'm preaching or Patricia's preaching or Pastor Francisco's preaching, but throughout the week there are opportunities for you to connect on Facebook and encourage one another. The reason I'm bringing this up is we as
as a community made a decision very early on in 2020 that we would not give place to fear, that we would align with kingdom values and kingdom truth, and that we would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And boy, did we. This, in many ways, 2020 in many ways, was the most fruitful year I personally have ever had in 16 years of ministry. Now, I had to, I had to listen to God and co-labor with God to come up with, um, to hear his plans, to hear how, see how he wanted to lead, to walk with him step by step. But we reached so many people. We reached hundreds of thousands of more people than if I had continued to travel as an itinerant minister and go to different places in the world and do meetings that were anywhere from you know, 50 people, 100 people, 500 people, even 1,000 people. But we did so many online events, so many streaming uh, events. I did schools in different nations in the world. One lasted for 10 weeks, a prophetic school I did overseas for 10 weeks. And we did it all. I did all of it through my home office and how we set me up there for streaming media. And we reached tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of people. It was an incredibly fruitful year. We had to believe for God to show up with provision in different ways, but he did. It was far from traditional. It was far from what my first 15 years in ministry looked like. But in walking with God, we saw an incredibly fruitful and incredibly productive year for the kingdom. So the lesson we took away from that is that we can always expect and look for kingdom opportunities in every season, no matter what. And again, this goes back to the previous point. Seasons like this, it's so important how we respond, that we're willing to go step by step with God, that we're willing to check in with God, we're willing to allow God to show us new ways and, and new strategies and new tactics. Because when we do, Every season we walk with God can be a fruitful season. Okay, the fifth thing that we learned from 2020, God is our only safe space. You know, as many of you know, there's been a lot of efforts around um, this nation in the USA and college campuses to create um, safe spaces for students and putting aside whether, you know, uh, the politics of all that, putting aside opinions and all that. Um, love always believes the best. So I think, I think there are challenges in that. I think it's, I think it's dangerous to teach um, a generation that when things get difficult, um, the, the thing to do is to check out and, and, and to, to disengage. Um, I think it's more important that we teach our children, we teach the next generation how to be overcomers in every situation. Um, but we have to understand that the world doesn't really get that. So I'm willing to believe the best about um, a flawed strategy of this idea of safe spaces. But what I think we really saw this year is the only safe space we have is God. Listen to what it says in Psalm 91. It says, um, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. I tell you what, I think every system of man failed us in 2020. But God did not fail us. God is our place of protection. God is our place of provision. God is our safe place. God is our place of 2 Corinthians 2.14. His word, his truth, his presence, his power. That is our only safe place. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Praise be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there'll never be a battle. 
It says, in Christ Jesus, God will lead us step by step in triumph. That no matter what we're presented with, God is our safe place. God is our place of victory. To walk with God, including walking through the challenges. Psalm 23 says that he's our good shepherd. He will lead us. He will bring us to green pastures. He will bring us into places of rest. But the key is to walk with him, knowing that he is the one we can rely on. He is the only one who is our safe place and our safe space. That if we do that, then yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need fear no evil because the Lord our God is with us. He will direct us and protect us. He will guide us and guard us. Financially, very challenging year 2020, yet God was our safe place. It looked very different, but God showed up. God met our needs. Both Uriah and I experienced that. Robert Hodgkin Ministries experienced that. Men on the front lines experienced that. Very different. We had to really learn to trust God. And I tell you, many times we were proclaiming and declaring that Philippians 4.19, that our God would meet all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it was done in a very different way. But in walking with him, he became our safe space. So in 2020, we learn truly the only safe space is God. And when we have these seasons, it's not time to check out. It's not time to look to the world for safety. It's not time to look for the, to the world for provision or protection. It's not time to look to Wall Street for safety or protection or even our bank accounts. It is time to look to God, the place of prayer, the place of worship, the truth of his word, his presence, his secret place. That is our safe space. So the lesson we learned in 2020, more than ever, light disperses darkness. Light defeats darkness. Light makes the darkness flee. And the way that we do that is we know that God is our safe space. So we spend time in his word, in his presence, in worship. And here's what's cool, is when we do that, we then can become an expression of that safe place to others and help lead others to Jesus Christ. That's Isaiah 60, verses one through three. Arise and shine, why? Because your light has come. When we know that he, our light, is also our safe space and we're spending time with him, we're spending time in worship, in prayer, in the word, we're seeking him for his strategies and tactics, his blueprints, his battle plans, because we know he and he alone is our only refuge, our only safe space. Then all of a sudden we look different from the world, we sound different from the world, people want to know why we're rising, we're shining, and we can lead others to the light. But it begins with us knowing that our light has come. All right, let's talk about the sixth thing we learned from 2020. Oh my gosh, did we learn this one. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And my goodness, was there a lot of anger out there, not just in the world, but also in the church this year. We talked a little bit about that. People who were frustrated with the prophets, people who were angry at the prophets, people who were calling the prophets liars and, and false prophets, even if they did miss it. And we don't know that yet, like we talked about early on in this. Even if they did miss it, there's a difference between saying, I think they missed it, and saying they're liars and they're false prophets. They're intentionally deceiving. They're intentionally leading people away from God. That's the anger of man. Boy, in seasons like this that are so challenging, that are so difficult, it's so easy to give place to anger. And it's Ephesians 4.27 that warns us because through that anger of man, not only do we not achieve the righteousness of God, and that's James 1.20, but Ephesians 4.27 warns us and reminds us that when we give place to that type of anger, we're actually giving a foothold to the enemy. 
So in that fear, in that frustration, in that expression of anger, we're not only not part of the solution, we're actually giving place to more of the problem, the enemy. We're attacking one another as opposed to coming together in unity. We're creating division instead of creating that community that I was talking about in the prior point, about what a blessing it is to have a community of believing believers. That doesn't mean we agree on everything. It means we're committed to walking together, especially when there are challenges. The anger of man will divide that. You've heard me talk about this a lot in Luke 9, the story of the Samaritans, when Jesus and the, the disciples are walking across the desert and they're going to stop in the Samaritan village. But when the Samaritans find out they're continuing on Jerusalem, they want nothing to do with them. And they say, nope, you can't stand, you can't come here, you can't have water, you can't have a break. No, we refuse you. They were offended because they were continuing on to Jerusalem. A spirit of offense stole a visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ from those Samaritans. But what did James and John focus on? They came running up to Jesus after the Samaritans had rejected them and said, do you want us to call down fire on the Samaritans? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't, you don't know what your hearts are like. You're, you're not only not part of the solution, you're actually giving place to the enemy through this reaction. James and John were responding to offense with offense. They wanted to call down this fire not for the Samaritans, but on the Samaritans. And Jesus was letting them know, if you, if in challenging situation, because it was, they were tired, they were hungry, they were thirsty, they weren't going to get a break, they weren't going to get a meal, they weren't going to get water. It was a challenging situation. But Jesus let them know, hey, you got to watch over your hearts in these situations. Because if you want to call down the fire on the Samaritans, you're just angry. You're just fighting offense with offense. That's not a kingdom solution. You're actually giving place to the enemy. You're giving the enemy a foothold. And we saw a lot of that in the world and in the church. How are we going to shift that? By each of us co-laboring with the Holy Spirit to realize my anger does not get... Now, we can have a righteous anger towards the wickedness in the land. We can have a righteous anger towards the treachery and tyranny in the land, the scheming, the scamming, the manipulations, the malfeasance that we're seeing on grand display in our nation. We should have a righteous anger against that. But here's how you can tell the difference between righteous anger and the anger of man. Righteous anger wants to see everybody set free from the powers and principalities behind all those things. Righteous anger wants to see the powers and principalities torn down and destroyed. The anger of man wants to see people punished for their role in that. Jesus paid the price for everybody. I've been challenged by this in 2020. I was challenged by this. I, I'm not here to pretend that I'm doing this perfectly. I'm here to share with you the things the Lord helped me learn, mentored me in, in this past year. There were times I was very upset and even angry at what was going on in our nation. And the Lord would have to remind me, that type of anger will not achieve my purposes. And you're here as my dominion steward to achieve my purposes. So one of the things we have to be aware of is why do we give place to the anger of man? Usually the reason that the enemy gets a foothold through anger in us and through us in the earth is because we feel powerless. We look at what's going on in the government. We look at what's going on with these policies. We look at so much and we think, oh, I have no power to shift it. That's a lie. That's a victim mentality. That is 1 Peter 5.8. We've talked about it. My old 96 translation, the NLT translation is my favorite, where the enemy roams about like a lion looking for an enemy he can, or looking for a victim, sorry. The enemy roams about like a lion looking for a victim he can devour. 
it points out that if the, the enemy doesn't attack us and we become a victim, it says he's looking for someone who takes on a victim mentality so he can devour them. What happens when we're getting angry, we're buying into a lie of the enemy. We feel powerless, so we buy into this lie that anger will make me powerful. Anger makes me feel powerful, but it doesn't actually make me powerful. It actually gives place to the enemy so he can be powerful in me and through me and take more territory in the earth. Anger is rooted in a sense of powerlessness, which is rooted in a victim mentality. The enemy has worked overtime, especially here in the USA, over the last many years to create a culture of offense and a culture of victimhood where people think the only power they have is to say, I'm offended, I'm triggered, I'm a victim. And that is a victim mentality. It's a powerless mentality. And what it's doing is actually giving more place to the enemy. We are not victims. We are victors in Christ. Now, many of the things that those people are pointing out are issues that need to be dealt with, but the way to deal with them is not from a place of offense, is not from a place of victimhood, just the opposite. It's to realize we have a victory in Christ and to check in with him what is your battle plan? What is your strategy? What is your key? God Almighty, Lord invincible in battle, King of glory, the God of Psalm 24. How will we see the things that need to be addressed in our lives, in our families, in our cities, in our nations, in this world? What is your battle plan for us to co-labor with you to see victory come forth? It's a very important time for us to watch over our hearts and realize the anger of man does not achieve the, uh, uh, the righteousness of God. So our lesson here is you are not a victim, you are a victor. We must know this, especially when we don't feel it. Because our feelings don't always lead us into truth. Truth leads us into truth. I've got a great resource for you. My book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions. I didn't write it in 2020, but I look back and think, oh my gosh, Lord, you gave us a manual for seasons like 2020, or even what we're coming into in 2021. This book teaches you how to win the battle for your mind, will, and emotions. It teaches you how to unlock the supernatural power, the supernatural authority and power of your soul realm, your mind, will, and emotions, so that you can live in the victory that you have in God so that you can see more of him in your life and just as importantly, through your life in the earth. All right, let's keep going. The thing number seven that we learned in 2020, beware the political spirit. Oh my goodness, Jesus warned us to beware the political spirit. What does that mean? Does that mean we check out of politics completely? No, 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 no. As Christians, we are to invade every mountain. We are to occupy every mountain and invade every sphere of influence, including the governmental realm or the political realm. What it means is we do that with the Holy Spirit, not from the political spirit. The political spirit is a scheming and scamming spirit. The political spirit is a very self-serving spirit that's always working to, to garner more power, more authority, more influence for self. Think of Herod in um, uh, Matthew, in, and, um, uh, in Matthew 2, I thought I wrote it down. Think of Herod in Matthew 2, how he was scheming and scamming because the word had come forth that a new king was born in the earth, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So he's scheming, he's scamming, he's lying, he's manipulating, he's saying to those who think they know how to find him, hey, tell me, so I can come and worship him too. Complete, total lie. It wasn't so he could worship him, he wanted to destroy the Messiah. He he wanted to destroy the new king. Why? So he could remain in power. He wanted to 
amass power, influence, and control for himself. That's the political spirit. The political spirit works against the kingdom and the government of God in the earth to maintain selfishly self-control, self-authority, self-power. We must be mindful of that. We must avoid the political spirit. That doesn't mean we avoid the government realm. It doesn't mean we avoid politics. It means we be wary that we're trying to do in ourselves or for ourselves what we're supposed to be accomplishing in God, with God, and for God. We are not to give place to the political spirit, but I do think we are to invade the governmental realm and the political realm. You know, one of the words that I heard this year that concerned me was that, uh, let me put it this way. One of the things I think we need to know is we're not giving place to the political spirit if we're willing to come alongside of, fight for, promote, vote for politicians that will work on behalf of righteous platforms in the earth. We should be voting for them. We should be promoting them. We should be um, contending for them over politicians that have want to put wicked and unrighteous policies in place. If we simply check out of the governmental realm and the political realm, and no Christians get into that realm to, to get into our school boards, get into our local governments, our state governments, our national governments. All we're doing is giving things over to darkness. We must invade those realms with light. And one of the easiest ways to do that in the governmental realm, in the political realm, is to vote for candidates who have righteous platforms and policies. Now, there's not going to be any perfect candidates, guys, because there's no perfect people. Jesus came because he knew we weren't perfect, but God still works through men and women. If you're feeling called to run for your local government, do it. That's not giving place to the political spirit. That's you partnering with the Holy Spirit of God to bring kingdom solutions into earthly situations. We must be doing that. God believes in that. How do we know? We just celebrated Christmas. Christmas puts on display that our God is willing to bring kingdom solutions into the earth. What did he do? He literally stepped out of heaven and manifested in the earth to deal with the wickedness and unrighteous and bring kingdom solutions into the earthly realm. That's what we're really celebrating when we celebrate the coming of Emmanuel, the coming of, of Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ. We are celebrating that our God is willing to come into the earth as a man and also through men and women and his Holy Spirit coming through men and women to bring kingdom solutions in the earth. So beware of the political spirit, but don't avoid the political realm. All right, number eight. We're in the home stretch here. The nine things we learned from 2020. The eighth thing, thing number eight that we learned. An inactive church is not the answer. I get it. By the end of 2020, most of us were weary. Many of us were overwhelmed. It was one thing after another. And yet, disengaging is not the solution. Now, I had some pushback on this, and you guys probably saw the show I did on it, um, but I wanna address this again. I won't go into the whole thing, but I think it's really important that we see this, that if we're a disengaged church, if the only reason we're gathering, if the only reason we're connecting with and to God is for us, that's selfish and narcissistic. Now, God wants to bless you, absolutely, but. He also wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. We absolutely are to engage with God one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus did everything he did for you. He did everything so that you know you are unconditionally loved no matter what. That is the message of the cross. I love you because I love you because I love you. There is nothing you can do 
that will make me not love you. The message of the cross is Jesus passed every single love test possible so that you know no matter what, he loves you, he died for you, he gave his life for you, and he wants relationship with you. In that, however, it's not, it doesn't end there. Then, as we've talked about, he's left you in the earth. If it was only that, as soon as we got saved, we'd go home to heaven where it's better. He leaves us in the earth because we are to grab hold of and do, the, he says in John 14, 12, verily, verily, I say, if you believe in me, Yes, you'll know you are absolutely unconditionally loved, but you will also be able to, if you respond to the invitation, do the works that I did and even greater works. Now, you don't have to. You can sit on the couch and do nothing, and you're loved, you're accepted, and you'll go home to heaven. But in him, we have the opportunity to be an engaged church so that we can be part of the solution. I had somebody say to me as I was addressing a lot of the stuff going on in our nation, hey man, love is the answer. And you probably heard me address this. I said, you're absolutely right. Love is the answer, but we need to be aware of what kingdom love is. Kingdom love is put on display by God so loved the world, he gave the gift of his son. Jesus did not come into the earth and go, hey, I want you to know I love you and all this stuff is okay, man. No, he came into the earth and dealt with wickedness, dealt with unrighteousness, dealt with sin. Now, I'm not saying we're Messiah. Only Jesus is Messiah. Only Jesus is Lord. Only Jesus is God. Only Jesus is Savior. But we have to realize that because of Messiah, because of Jesus Christ, because of Savior, we are restored to the fullness of relationship with our Heavenly Father and all of His kingdom in the earth so we can be engaged. Love engages. Love does not sit back. Love does not just go, hey man, it's all okay. My dear friend, my mother in the spirit, and my, my, my mentor, Patricia King, gives this very strong example, but it's really good. If you saw an adult abusing a child, would you simply go, hey man, I want you to know God loves you, but you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna cause a fuss. I'm, 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 just, I'm just gonna leave it at that. God loves you, God loves me, it's all okay. No, you would deal with the situation. You would pull that person off that child and say it is not okay to abuse a child in that way and I'm here to be part of the solution. We as a ministry, we've been involved in anti-human trafficking efforts in Southeast Asia, my goodness, for over a dozen years now. We go over there to deal with the situation. And absolutely, I've ministered to the, the women, the children. I've ministered to the tourists. And of course, we let them all know God loves them. But it's unto change. A passive, disengaged church is not the answer. This is not the time to check out. The other thing someone said to me was, I don't understand why you're trying to rally the church in this hour. God's sovereign, bro. They actually said to me, bro, God is sovereign. He's got this. Absolutely, God is sovereign and absolutely he's got this but what we need to understand is we are part of that sovereign solution that's why he manifested us here in the earth God's plan since day six I'll say it again God's plan since day six in his sovereignty his sovereign solution since day six is to have a people in the earth willing to be in relationship with him who operate in his deputized authority by the power of his Holy Spirit to advance his kingdom. That's you and me. The pa a passive church is not the answer. So the lesson we learned in 2020 is we are his dominion stewards. We need to do something. Faith without works is dead. Now we don't do something to earn God's love, favor, and blessing. 
blessing. We do something because we know we are blessed, we are favored, we are empowered, that we have him who is the answer, so we go forth to be part of his solution. Now, that's going to be something different for everybody. For you, it might be intercession, or it might be worship, or it might be running for office, or who knows what it is. But you have a role to play. We say at the beginning of every show, you matter, you are important, you have a key role to play for the kingdom and the earth. We, as the church, learn that, maybe more than ever in 2020, that we have some work to do on behalf of the victory we've been given in Christ to see it executed and legislated in the earth so we can see revival and reformation come forth. And finally, thing number nine, the ninth thing that we learned in 2020 is there is always good news. I know 2020 was a very, very challenging year, but in Christ, with Christ, because of Christ, there is always good news. I think in years like 2020, it's more important than ever that we remember that, that we think about the psalmist. What is it, Psalm 27, where it says, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In the midst of challenging times, we need to realize there is always good news. We have to be careful what we focus on. We need to be aware of the enemy, like we talked about. We'll often clearly see the enemy before we clearly see the victory. But we can't so clearly see the enemy that we lose sight of our Savior and His good news. It doesn't mean there aren't challenges. It doesn't mean there aren't battles, but we have to remember that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, and we have been given good news, so we can expect good news, especially in the midst of challenging times. I spent a lot of time in the Old Testament in 2020, and one of the things that I, I, I marveled at, one of the things that I was heartened by, was there's always good news. When there was drought in the land, when there was lack in the land, when there was poverty in the land, Abraham was blessed. Jacob was blessed. Isaac was blessed. God is there for his people. When the enemy was pressing down on God's people in Exodus 14, yes, we could clearly see all the challenges, all the weaponry, all the displays, all the, all the horribleness of the enemy, but God kept us safe. Desert times are not times of deprivation. This is something else God showed me in the Old Testament that was such an encouragement to me in 2020 as we come into 2021. Desert times, wilderness times, they're not a time of deprivation. Now in the natural, it's deprivation. I know, we live in the desert. The, the Heroes Arise Global Studios are here in Maricopa, Arizona. We are surrounded by the Sonoran Desert. And in the natural, you look out and the desert is in the natural uh, a place of deprivation in many, many ways. But think about as the Israelites walked with God through the desert. In the natural, a season and an area of what many might say minimum, uh, 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 minimum availability of resources or deprivation or even lack. But they never experienced that with God every single day. They actually walked in the greatest revival atmosphere that has ever been seen in the earth since the fall. Think about it. Every day, cloud by day, fire by night, every single day, they saw a huge display of God's tangible manifest presence. I thought about that a lot. How amazing to go outside every single day, to look outside any single moment of any day or night and see the absolute tangible reality of the presence of God that is with you and is for you. Every day, manna from heaven coming every single day. When we walk with God, there's always good news. There's always protection. There's always provision, but we need to be looking for it. If people weren't looking for that in the desert, if they were only focused on, oh my gosh, the desert is just scrub. There's nothing here. They would have missed 
the pillar of cloud and, and fire. They would have missed the manna coming forth every day. They would have missed it. So we need to know there's always good news. And the New Testament example, and then I'll wrap us up for this week, I always think about when um, the disciples were like, Jesus, if you would just talk to us plainly, man, it would help so much. I don't know that he was ever more plain than in Matthew 16 where he said, all right, let me map it out for you guys. We're going to continue on to Jerusalem. When we get there, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be found guilty. I'm going to be executed. And then three days later, I will rise from the dead. And we all know the story in Matthew 16. Peter actually says, Lord, may none of this happen to you. Peter was so focused on the challenges, on the battles of the going to be arrested, going to be beaten and scourged, going to be tried, going to be found guilty, going to be placed on the cross and die, that he didn't even hear the good news. Three days later, I will rise from the dead. I know 2020 was challenging, but I am telling you, if we are looking at God, if we are living in his truth, if all the things we talked about, these nine things that we learned from 2020, we bring into 2021, we ask Holy Spirit to help us stay focused on them and apply them. We, we walk with God. We expect the goodness of God. We expect the protection and provision of him, our only safe place. We expect all of that. We look to that. We ask him, Lord, how do I walk with you in this season? Like Moses, we say, Lord, teach me your ways so that I may know you more fully. That's Lord, for 2021, what are the ways for me to walk in? What do you have for me to do? You know, we've all been praying. So many of us around the world have been praying out of Isaiah 45 for years. God, thank you for the new thing that you are doing. Well, I think it's time to ask God to help us see the new thing and walk with him in it and expect good news, expect the goodness of God. And I know that can be challenging when we've been in a season of challenges. There's been heartbreak. There's been loss. There's been difficulty. There's been battles. Yet, in Christ, it's time for us to expect the good news. In Christ, it's time for us to remember that in the old covenant, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were richly blessed in difficult days. In the new covenant, how much more can we expect that? So there's nine things that we learned from 2020. It's not everything we learned from 2020, but nine things that we learned from 2020 that if we ask the Holy Spirit to help us stay focused on those truths and apply them in 2021, I believe we can see a great and glorious year, expecting the goodness of God, even expecting great breakthroughs in the midst of heartbreaking things going on here in my nation in the USA. I mean, my goodness, it's getting crazy. Some of the things we've seen lately, some of the, the policies that are being forth, the changes that, that um, the aggressive progressive leftists want to put in place, the wickedness that's on display on a daily basis in our media and even in our government. I tell you what, though, I am expecting the goodness of God. I am expecting victory. I am praying every day. I am worshiping God. I am blowing the shofar. I am contending for the promises of God. I am thanking God that I get to be a part of these truly historic days. There are days when I'm saying, Lord, help pick me up, help encourage me. I need it. God, help me. But he always does. God hand-selected you straight from his heart to be in the earth right here, right now. And it wasn't for deprivation. It wasn't to suffer. It was to be part of his solution. So I bless you in 2021 for that.
to know his goodness, to see his goodness, and to be part of his solution. Hey, we're going to start a series next week. We're going to start a series of prophetic words for 2021. God's been giving me a series of prophetic words. I'll bring one to you each and every week. So I look forward to seeing you here for next week for the first one of those. In the meantime, don't forget to mark your calendar. Uh, February 18th through the 20th, Man Camp East Coast 2021 in Rose Hill, North Carolina. If you're anywhere on the East Coast, or anywhere near an airport that can bring you to the East Coast, come and join us. It's going to be three great days of brotherhood, breakthrough, and adventure. And then, of course, March 13th, a Saturday here in the greater Phoenix area, we're going to do a one-day Heroes Arise event for men with an optional fellowship dinner the night before. So if you're coming in from out of town, um, come in, and we'll gather together Friday night. We'll make a weekend of it. Stay till Sunday morning and join us for Shiloh services. Um, you can get more information about all of that at menonthefrontlines.com or email me robert at menonthefrontlines.com and hey while you're at menonthefrontlines.com or at robert hodgkin ministries do me a favor click that donate button click that giving button and sew in to this program help us continue to create so much free content to uh, empower and encourage uh, believers all over the world be a part of that be a part of that solution go to robert hodgkin ministries or roberthodgkin.com or menonthefrontlines.com and click the donation or giving button. If you're not in a position to do that right now, that's okay. We are here for you. It is our privilege, and we are very, very blessed to be creating all this free streaming content to serve you. Speaking of that, I will see you next week to serve you with another Heroes Arise.